We are in the condition we are in, in the state of ignorance we are in, in the state of war, in the state of economic depression, in the state of depletion of the resources of our planet because of the greed of psychopaths who thought they could create their own reality. Well, look at the reality they created. You're listening to Behind the Headlines on the SOT Radio Network. The world for people who think... Hi, and welcome to Behind the Headlines on the Star Radio Network. I am Joe Quinn, and my co-host this week, as usual, is Neil Bradley. Hi, everyone. So this week, we are talking about, as usual, we're talking about... The things that really matter. The things like that really matter. Football. In the world, like football. Soccer ball. Uh, as Americans call it. Probably most uh, Europeans don't know that, but... Uh, football to Americans is... You know, American football. But football to a European is what the Americans call soccer. Or as I once heard it called by an American sports commentator, soccer ball. Uh, he was commenting on the, uh, it was a show, a sports show talking about the English football league, uh, the English soccer league. So they announced it as soccer ball. And, uh, it was quite funny, actually, the way he was describing the names of the teams in the, in the UK. You know, he got them all wrong, basically, you know, because <laughs> they're not. I mean, there's teams in the UK that are um, from particular towns, usually, you know, and they usually have the name of the town. But a lot of them have kind of a slang or slang names for them. Like, for example, uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a team called Tottingham, Hots- Tottingham Hotspur, and it's, they're called Spurs. No, that's <laughs> you didn't even get it right. Nottingham Hotspur. <laughs> no, Tottenham. Tottenham Hotspur. Well, that's why I'm getting confused because that's this guy. This guy actually proposed that he said, "And tonight, soccer ball. Tottenham play Nottingham in the Premier League." And that, I mean, the way I described it was just completely incomprehensible to any English football, uh, you know, fan or whatever, you know, because it makes no sense whatsoever. But it's funny. It's just an example. The reason I'm saying this is because it's just an example of, well, it's an example of a couple of things. Uh, one is just how little interest there is in, 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 in the United States and also just how little of what goes on in the rest of the world in, in particular uh, penetrates the United interest, States. In particular areas get, get through to the US, yeah. Um, but it's funny. Um, anyway, um, yeah, so that's the reason we're talking about that is obviously the whole FIFA business, which is a kind of a, it's symptomatic of stuff that's been going on in the world over the past uh, few years, or maybe even longer. Well, we wouldn't be talking about it yeah. if it wasn't in the news. Well, yeah. So, But it's even even the fact that it's in the news is not, it's all over the news, but it's not. It's still only a flash the time, it'll be gone by next week. Well, maybe, yeah. Um, only to return. It may return as well, yeah. But it's all of the news. The media have gone bonkers uh, over this. Um, and uh, that's what we're talking about because it's all of the media. And we talk about stuff that the media wants you to think uh, is important or wants to give you a particular interpretation of for some strange reason. I mean, that's why we go behind the headlines. Exactly. See? Now behind you understand them. why you call this show Behind the Headlines. So anyway... What's it all about then, eh? What's it all about? Uh, uh, the the opening chapter is two senators sending a letter 
to FIFA, saying the world we want football federation regime Soccer. change. Basically, that is kind of what they asked. Yeah, they wanted regime change, and the U.S. is no stranger to demanding regime change. <clears throat> they usually don't do it by sending letters, uh, but in this case, they did it. They tried. To, they sent the first salvo instead of a tomahawk cruise missile into FIFA headquarters in Zurich. It was a letter from Senator Robert Menendez and our old friend Senator flashback. John McCain. Flashback, who, flashback, flashback, flashback. McCain. No, not the rats. Not the rats. McCain. <laughs> Uh, who is obviously mentally deranged, but uh, he still thinks, still is able to uh, engage in, you know, politics of some description of his own variety, I suppose. But he's a bit of a, he's an anomaly, really, isn't he? It's amazing that he actually gets to stay around and have such a high profile. I think it must be just because he's a, he's a bit of an energizer bunny psycho politician in that respect you know he just he just won't go it just goes and goes he he won't just go home and pray for a happy death which he should be doing you know instead of getting on tv and talking nonsense into his 80s or something yeah or going and meeting jihadi you know isis uh head choppers in in syria and uh, lobbying the u.s government and the u.s uh, people to support what is effectively the people who attacked uh, or as far as the official narrative goes, is the people who attacked uh, the U.S. on 9-11. I mean, people don't seem to make that connection, but the guys that John McCain is palling around is with, palling around with and trying to get U.S. the U.S. government to give U.S. taxpayers money to, these people are effectively the same, of the same ideology as the people who allegedly attacked America on 9-11. But apparently, John McCain's happy with happy with uh, with that, and apparently so are most of the American people, because nobody says a word about it. But that's the kind of crazy world we live in. Anyway, um, so John McCain and this other guy, Senator Robert Menendez, sent a letter to FIFA uh, in Zurich, their headquarters, saying, blah, 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 Russia is evil. You are going to have your elections for president uh, this week, they sent it uh, during the week there, uh, this past week, and the election for the new president of FIFA was on Friday. So just prior to that, they sent a letter saying, you're going to have elections. Russia is evil. Everybody knows this. They've broken all sorts of laws that we don't, the U.S. does not adhere to, but still they're officially laws uh, uh, with regard to Ukraine, uh, infringing or violating the, uh, the territorial integrity of another country, Ukraine, and therefore, uh, because Blatter supported Russia's uh, bid for the 2018 World Cup. Exactly. And that they got it, Blatter is evil because he's in some way giving sucker to the evil, uh, uh, the evils of the Putin regime. And he should therefore not be elected president on Friday. That's what their letter tried to get, tried to achieve. Uh, of course, it failed. Uh, Blatter was re-elected president on Friday and so that's just the first one. But obviously, you know, John McCain, like pretty much every other U.S. politician, has a history of corruption. Uh, and, and casinos, help. casinos. Well, d- casinos, but going back into the, uh, going back into the 90s, he was, him and five, four other senators were uh, investigated by the Department of Justice. It never came to anything, but... It was the savings and loan scandal. Exactly, yeah. Uh, Bush's yeah. brother was involved in that. They were, they were all clearly, clearly um, guilty of what they were being accused of, but uh, it came to nothing because I think the savings and loans, the the, the insurance company, effectively, I think, or um, basically a bank, um, a mortgage bank, or whatever, 
kind of, I think it got absorbed by another company and it all was made to go away basically. But, you know, McCain has, has a track record of engaging in bribes, uh, kickbacks, you know, cash for privileges effectively to business interests. And so does this other guy who sent the letter, uh, Robert Menendez, um, who just this year actually was brought up in charges again, uh, for effectively using his political office to, um, to, to, you know, give favors, political favors for, to a friend, uh, who was in business in exchange for money from this friend. So, I mean, that's what makes the whole political world in the West go round. That's what, I mean, that's what Congress actually exists for. They're like, the American government, the U.S. government is a big corporation. Congress and, con- is a and, Congress and senators are employees of that corporation, but they're, they're, they're just one, uh, um, one section of the employees and one department of the corporation that is the U.S. government. And they're tasked with making money for, from the US, for the U.S. government, for the, for the bosses effectively, for, for the corporation. But they, they also make money for themselves. You know, because that's that's how they get paid effectively. I mean, obviously, a congressman or a senator's uh, wage is not nearly enough, as far as they're concerned, for for the for the uh, for the mansions or the lifestyle. Well, for, for it's, it's not enough to, to cover what they're what they're actually due in their in their minds. They're 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 entitled to massive wealth, essentially. So essentially, so they they go around basically using the influence that they have in terms of making laws and passing laws and you know deregulating. Etc. Uh, for business, they go around uh, getting money from uh, other corporations to, uh, in exchange for passing beneficial legislation, for one example, uh, f- for the business world. So it's really, you know, it's similar to a corporation, uh, and corporations, as we know in the West, are extremely predatory capitalist corporations where it's making as much money as you can from as many people as you can. So the idea that these two guys would are, are in a position to complain to FIFA uh, as part of a corruption scandal is laughable. And also the idea that they are in a position to um, complain about Russia uh, over violating the territorial integrity of another country than being um, U.S. politicians who supported the Iraq war is just... I mean, it's farce. Nothing more than a farce. But apparently, the media can't bring itself to point this out, you know? And this is just one example of where they cannot bring themselves to point out the glaringly obvious. I don't know why. Maybe they're completely controlled by the government. Seems to be. Yeah. Um, There was some coordination going on in actions because the next day, uh, after Doofus McCain has says his piece which would otherwise have just been ignored. The next day, the U.S. Department of Justice indicts 14 uh, top reps in the FIFA world body. I think there are 22 members on their board, and 14 of them are indicted by the U.S. Never mind, none of them live there. None of them work in the U.S. They're not U.S. citizens. The Swiss authorities have begun arresting them and they are in line now to be deported to the US. They're probably going to resist, of course. Yes, related. Yeah. Um, but the United States has taken it upon itself in uh, 
to be the policeman of the world. Yeah, Team surprise, America, surprise. World Police. America. At least, at least, I mean, at least they're not gonna, you know, call it airstrikes or anything. At least not yet. They're doing this through proper means and quotes. But of course, the the hypocrisy, as Joe pointed out, is uh, uh hold on, you're not, not just really in your face. Position it's to, all over your face to be bringing this up. And not only that, but what do you care? Why is this an issue suddenly for? Uh, well, that's the thing. If you look at the way they congressman, if you look at the way this this situation evolved, it came out of nowhere. Not like quite, not, as I found out. But no, it did. From a public perception, it came out of nowhere. Right. This was not on the public radar five days ago. Okay. And now it's all over the media. It's saturating media, saturated media coverage of this situation. And the media is clearly being used uh, to, like it is, like it's regularly been used in the past to, and I think this is its main purpose, is it's trial by media. It's to convince and sway public opinion towards uh, the opinion of the people who are behind this campaign uh, to indict FIFA and uh, expose the corruption of FIFA. I mean, people who've never heard of FIFA before now know the name, the, 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 the four letters FIFA, what it means. They know who, know who Blatter is. They know he's corrupt and evil. This is exactly the kind of thing, if you think back to German wings, <clears throat> we talked about the German wings flight that crashed in the French Alps earlier this year. It was That was a complete trial by media. I mean, there was no investigation, actual serious investigation that happened before the whole thing was done and dusted in the media without any real hard evidence. The whole thing, everybody knew what had happened to German Wings. Uh, if you, you can go back to last year to MH17, MH17 uh, it shot down over Ukraine, uh, uh, 198 people or more killed, and um, immediately, even before the, the wreckage was still smoldering, and it was Putin killed my baby in the media. I mean, this is egregious and flagrant uh, abuse of the role, the correct role of the media, you know, which is to inform people of the truth. Of course, that's a, that's a joke, it's a complete and utter joke. The same thing's happening here. It's all of the media. Why? Because someone behind the scenes obviously wants to, uh, it seems that these 14 officials are a means to an end. Uh, they wanted with McCain and Menendez's letter. They wanted to get rid of Bladder. It didn't work. He was re-elected, but they still want to get rid of him because they're, they're continuing on. They're going to bring out, try and bring out more evidence that will make it impossible for Bladder to continue. And I mean, they're being very specific about it. If you look at people who are talking about this, uh, for example, the English Football Association chairman, who uh, used to be the the controller of the BBC, I think that's his name, the comptroller, uh, basically the director general of the B, he's now the director, uh, the chairman of the English Football Association. Uh, he has said that he's calling on the president of UEFA, which is the European Football Association organization, he's calling on him to show leadership to unite Europe behind a collective boycott of the 2018 World Cup. Now, this has nothing to do with Russia officially, right? I mean, everything... Anything that people knew about the situation beforehand in terms of FIFA and corruption over the past few years was to do with Qatar. Qatar was awarded the, or won the, awarded, let's say, the, the 2022 
World Cup, which is the one after the one in 2018. And um, <clears throat> Qatar is clearly a, a brutal uh, Gulf dictatorship that is fully backed and supported by the US government and the British government and has been for a long time. And in recent years, they've been used to funnel weapons to the jihadis in Syria to slaughter the Syrian people. Uh, so this is what Qatar is. And uh, currently... The, the problem for most people is that Qatar is, um, people who aren't so well informed, uh, is that Qatar uses slave, slave labor and is using slave labor, not just for, uh, in terms of their general building, but they're for building the stadiums for the 20, 2022 World Cup, they're using slave labor. So a lot of people out there who are, you know, campaigners um, have been complaining about this for quite a long time. Uh, so it's been focused on Qatar. If there's any issue, a moral issue, uh, around FIFA and the awarding of uh, World Cup, the hosting of World Cups, it's Qatar. But you have this guy like the, the chairman of the English Football Association ignoring Qatar completely and saying Russia. Uh, they figure they can't get it. It's too late maybe to, to take it away from Russia and try and give it to someone else because there's not enough time. It's only no. two and a half years. Right now. Well, that wouldn't stop them, but I think no. it's, they can't find anybody else who would be willing to take it on and would have the time to put on the show. So they figure they can't take it away from Russia. The next best thing is to have Western, um, European and America, for example, and as many other people as they can convince, have them boycott the games, to tarnish the games, to make it, you know, to, and, and the, the goal behind that is not just to, you know, they don't care about making the game, making the football games a lot uh, less enjoyable, let's say, because many countries wouldn't would be boycotting them, but it's to use that to highlight the fact of just how evil Russia is. Because the same thing happened uh, to a certain extent in Sochi in the Winter Olympics earlier uh, last year. Um, the media was all over that as well, criticizing the Sochi games, criticizing the... Yeah, uh, criticizing design errors on toilet exactly. seats. And, yeah. oh, oh, God, Russia. Doing so anything they so could. So Asiatic. Anything they could to, to, to criticize and to diminish the justified um, kind of international uh, recognition or the awareness, the global awareness that would be uh, the global spotlight that would be shone on Russia. And I mean, every country that wants, every country that hosts these kind of international games, the Olympics, the Winter Olympics, whatever, uh, they, they like to do it because it raises their status mm. globally. It's the whole world is focused on them and they get an opportunity to increase their status effectively in global public opinion. And that's the last thing these Americans and the Brits and the, you know, the Atlanticists in, in, in Europe want to see happen with Russia. And they've been trying to stop that happening uh, with Russia, deny Russia every opportunity to increase its status. And this is just one more example of them trying to do it and the lengths they're willing to go and the depth of their irrational schizoidal hatred of Russia because Russia is simply doing... <clears throat> what it has every right to do, which is assert itself on the global stage and take its rightful place in the global stage as a major world power. And in fact, if we're talking about the number of people and natural resources, there's an argument for it being, along with China, the preeminent, <clears throat> uh, uh, the number one world power uh, in the sense of uh, uh, kind of a, a, an integration uh, within Eurasia, say Russia, China, and other Eurasian countries, if they were together, kind of form a, a common policy, 
uh, economic and, and foreign, let's say, uh, they would and should rule the world by the simple fact of they have most people, by, by far the majority of people in the world and the majority of the resources in the world. And America doesn't want to see that happen. So it's it's screaming, no way, you know, never <laughs> at the facts, at yeah. harsh reality, yeah. at the it's simple. It's coming up in three years. It's just, yeah. it's uh, There's no way they're going to get it reversed. It's not actually going to change the fact that will take place in Russia. But if they can attach, fling the most poo at the situation as they can, they yeah. might just subdue the positive propaganda effect, mm-hmm. as you wrote about in your article, that Russia would win from yeah. hosting these games. Well, that's how bad, it, that's how, how desperate and it's childish these people are, where it's not just about stopping Russia from, you know, you know, asserting itself economically and militarily around the world, etc. Uh, they're, they're willing to go down to anything, any, any sign that Russia could be getting any positive press, and they're all over it, trying to stamp it out. You know, even simply because Russia is going to host the World Cup, which, like as we said, you know, most of the people in the Department of Justice that are taking these, that have issued these indictments against FIFA, probably have never heard of FIFA before. You know, most of the actual functionaries don't know what FIFA is; they just found out about it, um, and they don't like soccer ball, so. <laughs> But you know, it's it, it, you can see how it's a win-win situation for for the the Anglo-American Empire. That you know, in terms of taking this case, because first of all, they get to attack Russia, which they love doing, and secondly, they get to present themselves as this force for justice and anti-corruption in the world, which is obviously complete and utter horseshit. Because uh, this is a country, the USA and the and, and the British, that have you know, created their, their their nations and their their wealth and their power in the world on corruption, complete and utter, unfettered, absolute corruption and lies and war. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. they have to do something to offset that. So an opportunity like this comes along, we can look really good, like we're fighting the good fight. We're the we're on the side of we're on the side of uh, justice and right and anti-corruption here, and we can stick it to Russia. Let's go for it. No brainer. Yeah, uh, just today, two British banks. Um, I mean, it, it, the the extent of the of the ideology that drives whenever something like this takes hold and sort of spreads throughout the organs of empire, if you like, it's just unbelievable how people will practically fall over themselves in order to fall on their swords. To serve the interests that they perceive will will suit their their imperial overlords. So today, two British banks, Standard Chartered and HSBC, HSBC is like the most corrupt institution on earth, have, have just announced, by the way, to the press that they're going to be looking into um, payments made by FIFA officials that pass through their own accounts. So it's sort of like a wink, you know, we're going to do an internal review and see what dirt we can come up with that will absolutely nail, eventually nail Sepp Blatter and have FIFA establishes corrupt and therefore have the 
successful Russian bid for the 2018 games completely tarnished. So by the time it happens, everyone is rolling their eyes and automatically associated with corruption and kickbacks. And as to whether or not any of that actually took place, well, you probably, I mean, that's how all deals are made in business world. Um, but somehow this is being completely spun into we're whiter than white and everyone else is lower than us. It's it's an amazing, every time you see it, every, every new issue that comes up, it's amazing how they actually believe their own bullshit and, and, and the, the extent to which it goes. Another person who fell on the sword for just a small side note, um, he, this guy, under Sepp Blatter as, as head of the FIFA, there are like, I think some like 12 vice presidents, one of whom's uh, another Englishman actually, he was a major business wheeler dealer in the UK, uh, once owned what was at the time the richest soccer club on earth, Manchester United. Uh, he eventually left when he sold that uh, sports franchise to a New York tycoon, the Glazier family. He left and became uh, one of the vice presidents of FIFA. And he announced prior to Blatter's re-election this week that should he be re-elected, he will fall on the sword, he will quit in uh, out of principle out of the principle of the thing that, you know, he's saying we are guilty, we are corrupt. He would prove the facts on the ground they want people to think are there by actually, you know, sacrificing himself, basically doing damage to his own personal yeah. interest. These, no are, these, are, no Igors. To these are Igors to the U.S. Absolutely. Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein. You know the image of Dr. Frankenstein, Igor, the hunchback, sniveling, pusillanimous kind of like creature that... Uh, grovels around, yes, master, yes, master. It's exactly the way these people are acting to the U.S., and it's embarrassing. I'm embarrassed for them. But these people, they obviously have no no sense of pride or, you know, principles or anything. They're willing to prostitute themselves left, right, and center to the USA, whatever the U.S. says. These people are pathetic. You know, these people that you're talking about in, in the European football associations, they knew, they've known for a long time about FIFA and what goes on in FIFA. And they said not one word. But as soon as the DOJ in the U.S. issues indictments, it's, oh, yeah, let's get them, let's get them, yeah. They're all standing behind the U.S., pointing over the shoulder of the U.S., you know, yeah, FIFA, you're evil, you know. They're just such hypocrites, it's such scurrilous. I mean, Michel Platini, the French, uh, famous French footballer and stuff, he's now the, I think he's the chairman of, of, of UEFA. Yeah, he, he's European branch. He's out, uh, you know, saying, he's targeting Russia, you know, and targeting Blatter and, you know, I mean, these people are pathetic, you know, I mean, they're just, they're, they're the scum of the earth, basically. They have, they're, I don't know, have the words for them, you know, just, they're... <laughs> Platini is a particular worm because he's, there's been no, it's obvious, it's even reported about openly in the press, that Platini has his eyes on being yeah. president of the World Association. He wants Blatter's place. So. It's the worst of humanity that has risen to the top. You know, they say the scum rise to the top. Well, that's what's happened on this planet uh, over the past, I don't know how long, a long time, but they've slowly risen to the top. And right now, are they getting press and get on TV shows and, and get talked about in the media? That's the scum of humanity. And they supposedly represent us, the rest of, the rest of humanity, that retain some level of, of, of decency and, and, and human decency, you know. Um, the, the origin, by the way, this, this actually goes back nine years, the first mention of corruption at FIFA. Um, 
it's, uh, it probably goes back decades, but the point is the first time it ever became a public issue was thanks to um, a book by a British investigative reporter followed up the next month in June 2006 by a BBC Panorama expose. It, probably BBC at the time was headed by the guy who's now chairman of the British Football Association. Um, and yeah, it caused some, I mean, there was some outroar at the time. That was more about specific kickbacks and deals being made with specific companies who would either sponsor or help host um, events, not just the big events like the World Cup. Uh, they, <laughs> the UK had a bid to host the 2018 World Cup. Lost to Russia. And they lost Russia. Horrible. And I think I think there's a lot of acrimony yeah. behind it. Well, His Royal Highness Prince William was part of that uh, campaign. You know, so they trot out the they trot out the royals and <clears throat> different dignitaries to try and give their their bid some kind of uh, some kind of respect. And uh, now they're saying that you know um, all those dignitaries and royals in the UK who lost to Russia in 2010 are, are they're all. Uh, jumping on the bandwagon now. Yeah, let's get Russia. Yeah, evil FIFA, Putin, FIFA and Putin and corruption. It's all evil. Oh, I hate them. Yeah, jeez, I'd love to slap every one of them. So, yeah, that's about the height of it. But we don't know where it's going to go. Um, they it's, may they may continue the, the the case and try and bring up details and dig dirt on Blatter and try and force him to resign. In which case, uh, or maybe they won't. Because if they allow Blatter to stay as president uh, and but continue the the defamation and the hate campaign uh, up to 2018, they can continue. They can push forward with their with their campaign to boycott the Russian games. You know that's what they'd really like to have done in Sochi as well. Boycott the Russian games. You know they're all about boycotting anything that happens in Russia. Like you saw, they boycotted the the World War Two uh, anniversary um, just last month. Uh, or this month in, in in Moscow, you know, nobody came apart from nobody. Nobody important came. I.e., you know, only the president of China, India, you know, and a host of other very large nations. In fact, probably about half the world, the, the leaders of half the world's population came, but nobody important came. I.e., Western European and American <coughs> heads of state did not appear. <coughs> the international community, that is, you know, yeah, about probably about. You know, twenty-five percent of the world's land mass and population. That's the international community these days. Nobody else matters. Because why? Because well, that's all the whiteies, <clears throat> all the all the other coloured uh, skin people. Well, they're not really. They're not really part of the international community, are they? Well, yeah, kind of. You see them when you go on holidays. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> in their natural habitat. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway. Uh, I was I was heartened though today to hear that John Kerry broke his leg. Oh, yeah, he was cycling in France. Was he running away from the Russians? Uh, cycling away? No, from... it wasn't Putin who did this. Actually, it wasn't. No, contra- I just like to make that clear before because I think it's going to break in the news. An inside story is that uh, Putin stuck a spoke in Kerry's wheels, uh, but it wasn't Putin. Actually, John Kerry is just too old to be on a bike, and he shouldn't. He should kind of get a grip on himself. He was cycling around. Uh, the French, the kind of foothills of the French Alps, for some reason. Uh, well, he's on a, he's on a bit of a whirlwind tour of, of, of Europe. He was going down to Spain. He had been in, he had, he had hooked up with, I think he was in, where was he? 
think he, I can't remember exactly where he was, but he was planning to go. He might have been in France and with Hollande, and he was going to Spain to talk about uh, you know bilateral agreements and whatnot uh, with with Spain. One of the, one of the things that happened recently with Spain was that they there's a, a U.S. military base in the south of Spain. Uh, called uh, in Moron de la Frontera in uh, about an hour from Seville in the south of Spain and up until now it um, it had about 800 US military personnel and has had that for, for quite a long time it goes back to the 90s when they made an agreement it's under NATO, the ages of NATO uh, but they've agreed a deal to allow uh, 3,000 military personnel to ensure security in the AFRICOM and European region so they can have rapid reaction of more military personnel to, um, you know, potential problems uh, in Europe or in Africa where someone there decides not to do what America said they should do. So then they'd be able to deploy military to encourage them to rethink uh, what they're doing and see things the right way, which is our way. Or the highway, uh, but it's um, so he wasn't able to go to Spain. But he's going to engage in uh, whatever conferences he was meant to go to, or whatever meetings he was meant to go to via um, satellite or you know video link. Uh, yeah, so he broke a leg. Um, break a leg, John. Next time, go ahead. And, you know, feel free to break other things as well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I encourage other U.S. government. You know. Uh, functionaries to also consider breaking breaking parts of their body. Uh, yeah, yeah. To you know, to a, a service to humanity. You know, uh, some some of them could maybe break uh, you know break their necks. Yeah, <laughs> if if they well, Kerry should take them all cycling. Yeah, they should have a group cycle down the French Alps. You should go to the top of the French Alps and go downhill very fast. Uh, yeah. without any breaks. Could be a State Department day out. <laughs> yes. And take take Jen, Jen Saki and Maria Harf and uh, and all the rest of them. And everybody from the Brookings Institute and all of the former all of the other advisors, you know. Get Kissinger on a on a motor, on a wheelchair. On his number frame with wheels. Uh, <laughs> a motorized uh, walker. And um and what do you call Brzezinski too. He's still going. Yeah. He should. Uh, He's got energy left. He's giving interviews every other day. That guy. I give him a push from the top of the hill as well. They're all energized. But hey, John McCain. They could totally take John. Yeah, John could bring his jihadi friends. Yeah, you know. Anyway, uh, so that's John. That's just a little incident. Uh, John Kerry, unfortunately, broke his leg. I'm, I'm gutted. Yeah, it's so sad. Um. Yeah. Uh, speaking of. Russia and China integrating into new world power. By the way, a lot of people are raving us because they think we're suckers because we kind of maybe foresee this coming. It could be multi, it could be generations away, but we kind of see this integration process taking place and we're like, yeah, because it means, you know, it's to America's detriment. Well, yeah, that's, that's as far as we take it. I mean, we're not saying, you know, it's going to be awesome living under Eurasian Empire if that's the form it takes. But uh, hold on a second, people. You know, perspective. You know, they're not invading any other countries. That whole 
BS about Crimea notwithstanding. You know, it's a very, 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 very different approach to geopolitics. People think in black and white terms, you know, they say, well, you know, you're just supporting the evil global elite. You know, they, there's, there's a yeah, top there's of the elite above all, of them. above all of them that are directing things and they're just trying to, <laughs> their plan, they're fully on board with getting rid of the Anglo-American Empire and ushering in the Eurasian Chinese, Rus- China-Russian Empire or whatever, and it's just going to be the same and blah, blah. Well, you know, we don't live in an ideal world. We're not saying, we're not lobbying for an ideal world either necessarily. We don't think this world is ever meant to be an ideal world. But certainly under the stewardship of the British and then the Americans over the past few hundred years, it has been this appalling. world has gone to the dogs literally. And when you're talking about uh, uh, the US as the global superpower that uh, over the past 10, 50, well, over the past 50, 60 years has gone around the world slaughtering innocent people most recently, uh, in the Middle East since 9-11 uh, would have killed several million innocent people. It can't really get any worse than that. So I think all right-thinking people would be supportive of a change of guard without having necessarily too many idealistic hopes and dreams of some kind of Valhalla that's going to be ushered in. But certainly, like we said, it can't get any worse. And at least at the moment, the attitude of the Russians and the Chinese are much less violent, aggressive, and warmongering than the US and the British and the European friends. So that's the bottom line on that one. I mean, for example, the kind of thing we're talking about is here, you know, and even, like, the media is just, the whole thing's just rotten to the core. You know, the, the Western media is just another branch of government, of Western government. You know, there's a, there's a story today about HMS Bulwark. as Her Majesty's ship, a British military ship, Bulwark, uh, was in the Mediterranean recently and helped to save 4,000 migrants fleeing Libya by sea. Yay for the British sailors, you know, our boys to, out there. Helping the poor, the poor uh, Africans. After they destroyed the country. Well, yeah. Five, five years ago. <laughs> Four years ago, HMS Bulwark may well have been part of the NATO bombardment of Libya that killed thousands of people and destroyed the country and ushered in, a jihad, turned it into a jihadi hellhole <clears throat> from which 4,000 people most recently have, are now fleeing and you're meant to get a pat on the back for picking them up by boat. How how magnanimous are you? You bunch of warmongering psychos. You know? I mean, what I need is my own military. I need my own fleet of ships, air force, and minions. And then things will get sorted. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking about this the other day. It's kind of off topic. I, I was thinking about a situation in Mexico. You know, thousands fleeing... Uh, thousands, it's kind of similar to, to North Africa. They've got so many internally displaced persons, i.e. people whose lives have been wrecked by Western interests. It's kind of similar for the Mexicans. There it's more as drug rackets and it's practically a civil war in the north of the country. And it's, I'm sure you've all heard glimpses of stories. It's just unbelievable. The kind of stuff goes on there has been going on is, is the stuff that goes on in Syria. Mm-hmm. Head choppings and all this stuff. Yep. It is full on horror for, for certainly for hundreds of thousands of people who experience it directly. And I was just thinking, you know, the only solution, 
possibly it would be to let me have control of the air force in Mexico. And I, if I'm the Mexican government, I know where each of the barons live. Mm. And then I launch airstrikes on specific locations simultaneously. But in terms of the, I have the power to do that. But in terms of the Mexican government, you might have to launch an airstrike on yourself. You might have launched an airstrike on yourself, and you might be, you're going to be on DEA territory, right. and CIA territory, and then you're having a problem. You'd be, you be blowing up CIA operatives. Uh, you're going to be annoying some of John Kerry's boys back in the Skull and Bones Club, because, you know, they get a cut in some of the deals. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, of course, it's more complex once you really think it out. Yeah, so in terms of the ship and, and talking about having your own Air Force or your own Navy or whatever, um, when this British Navy ship uh, that that uh, was as part of the British military that took part in the bombing of Libya and the killing of Libyan civilians four or five years ago, and if I saw, if I had my own Navy or my own Air Force and I saw that ship approaching a boatload of Libyans, I would say, well, given your track record, you you... You know, you present a clear, uh, you pose a clear and present uh, threat to those Libyans because five years ago you were bombing them, and now you're putting one of your um, your navy ships. You're 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 approaching uh, a boatload of or boatloads of four thousand of them in your navy ship. I would have to blow up the HMS Bulwark under the right to protect doctrine because of reasonable suspicion of malintent towards those Libyans given what you did five years ago and then I would rescue them and bring them to America no I wouldn't bring them to America that would be unfair um, I don't know where I'd put them um, I I know one place you could put them Italians won't like me for this but there are I was reading this today there are 6,000 ghost towns and villages in Italy alone mm. they're basically places where people have just deserted They've gone to live in the cities instead. I mean, the stuff about there not being enough room for all these people is complete BS. You remember when we had, what's his name, Stefan Verstappen on the show recently. He did the calculation. You could comfortably fit the entire world's population inside Texas. And, you know, with room to spare. So, you know, there are there would be solutions in a, a world that's sane. And reasonable. Instead, no, we've got military solutions to problems created by other military solutions. And yeah, the four, that's, that's 4,000. That's the most recent incident. But again, you get an indication of the numbers of people um, fleeing Africa when you consider the thousands that are either picked up or drowning. Yep. And you know, what is it? Millions, millions that have fled in the last four years? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's an immigration crisis. Europe has an immigration crisis that it caused itself. That's the bottom line. It caused itself through its warmongering and imperialism and destroying the countries of these people who are fleeing. They expect them to you just destroy their country and give the give control and power in their country to a bunch of nut jobs who are who, who are working effectively for you. And when they try to flee because you've created hell for them in their own country start talking about maybe having to use military force to keep them back you know I just those people they something they better have something common for them mother nature needs to get them Uh, I don't get my hopes of too much before, before I take things into my own hands 
But they lived to the nineties. I mean, they keep going. There's something else. There's something about them that's just silent green. <laughs> Kool Aid. Um, uh, Putin's obviously having fun having command of warships. Mm. One of which chased out a U.S. destroyer in the Black Sea this week. Mm, apparently. Apparently. Um, announcement this week that the Russian Navy is going to team up with the Chinese. Did you notice that the, Chinese, the war games, were, there wasn't a lot of attention in the media given to the war games uh, in the Black Sea. that were conducted in the Black Sea <clears throat> with the Chinese over well, the last couple yeah. of weeks. It was very sedated in the media. There was very little report, very little information. They're just like... Well, that should be big news. If they had some way to spin that in a in a negative way, they're coming to get it. Uh, they would have done it, but obviously they wanted to keep it keep it on the lowdown because, uh, well, well, we I just, know it's, it's we bizarre. don't know what to say about it. We don't want people to know about it, so let's just not say anything. For people who haven't put the two pieces together, it's bizarre because all they're hearing instead is ISIS is coming to get us, mm-hmm. right? And it drowns out. Well, the, the Chinese are actually already in the med. And in the Black Sea, mm-hmm. but that's their real, if, from the point of view of imperial masters, that's their real concern. It's the Chinese are there, they don't, the ISIS, yeah. whatever. It either it's either a ghost or where they do exist, mm-hmm. there are there are to use, there are pawns. Um, it, and it's a bizarre. It must be a bizarre juxtaposition for someone who just comes across and hears, "Hang on, the Chinese are here, shouldn't." That be oh no never mind ISIS yeah ISIS okay ISIS is a problem mm. right yeah yeah well I mean you know Islamic um, terrorism Muslim terrorism was created uh, the, the the specter of Muslim terrorism was created you know twenty years ago or more, uh, more by the West yeah and and pushed into people's minds specifically so that the U S could project its power around the world uh, specifically into Eurasia as we've seen, has happened uh, in order to push back our Russian and Chinese advance. And these people were thinking about this and saw this as a necessity, something they needed to do to maintain uh, U.S. hegemony. They saw it in the, well, right after the fall of the Soviet Union. Uh, That's when they started to put the Muslim terrorism business into place. 1981 was a more or less the fall of the, you know, the Berlin Wall and the Soviet Union collapsed. In uh, 1983, you had the first World Trade Center Muslim terror attack. And then all through the rest of the 90s, you had, you know, you had the embassy bombings and very and Osama bin Laden coming on scene. Then you had 9-11. Then you had the unending war on terror. I mean, it's obvious what that was for. That was a replacement. Once they had, once the communism, the threat of communism was no longer there. And it was used for exactly the same thing. The threat of communism was used since the Second World War until 1991 as a justification for the expansion of the American Empire, disingenuously, obviously, because there was no genuine Russian threat in the way that they presented it. And once that was gone, they come up with Muslim terrorism. And that's what ISIS is, the culmination of 20 years or more of that fabrication and promotion of a Muslim terror threat for the purpose of expanding the American Empire yeah. throughout Eurasia, putting boots on the ground, military bases on the ground, uh, getting control of countries, having color revolutions specifically to contain and push back Russia and China. There was an explicit statement exactly to that effect by a, a Russian admiral who's 
accepted this week an invitation for the Russian Navy to now go over to the South right. China Sea to yeah. participate in reciprocal, yeah. In a reciprocal and that's dodgy because there's stuff going on in the South China Sea with China. There's uh, tension at the moment, and it'll be ongoing over uh, China building <laughs> building new new parts of China out in the middle of the of the sea. Well, the the U.S. State Department explicitly said to China this week, "Stop what you're doing." And yeah. China said, "Sorry, no." Don't hear you. What? <laughs> they just ignored it. and said, no, we're not. Yeah. Uh, so they went up to the next level, which was to send in some spy planes over their military installations mm-hmm. on these islands. They're sort of building or They're dredging. reclaiming from the sea. Um, Claiming yeah. that they're putting military installations. Chinese say it's just for commercial fishing and whatever. But obviously, you know, the Chinese are protecting their interests in their own backyard. And America, thousands of miles away, sees fit to go and say, well, you're not allowed to do that. Stop doing that. I mean, how, how does anybody even even think or how can they even justify for one minute to themselves the idea that America is not a global empire? That it is not, yeah. uh, it does, that it doesn't see itself as the controller of the world and that it has the right to tell everybody, anywhere in the world, the farthest reaches, pick the place the farthest from Washington, D.C. on the planet. America has the right to tell a country in that location what it should and shouldn't do with its own policies and with policies towards its neighbours. I mean, it's so transparent that, I mean, this is, this is the deafening silence of this, this self-evident fact not being uh, talked about at all. When, and even when people discuss it, you know, Western political commentators discuss it, they make no reference to it whatsoever, and it's in everybody's face. Yeah. But you're not allowed to say it, apparently. But it's right there. So, I mean, you're going to create a bunch of like uh, schizophrenics or something by, by projecting this kind of, you know, uh, these two mutually uh, exclusive ideas uh, to people where what you say is completely contradicted by the facts yeah. on the ground that people are seeing. And yeah. people have to then say, yeah, I suppose that's right. Whatever the politician said, that's true. But, but it's totally contradicted by what I just read. Okay, whatever you say, yes. People are going to go bonkers. Yeah, but there's no need for them to. It's, it's the thing. If you whether you're listening to RT or China's English language equivalent CCTV, they have uh, made it more than clear what their business is. In, for example, South China Sea, China has this plan to create this massive Silk Road and Silk Sea route that would link that region, India, all the way around the Middle East. Uh, that's via the Sea Route, and of course. In deals with Russia um, through mm-hmm. Central yeah. Asian Republic, and that's what the Americans want to stop. But that's, that's what, what they want to stop. They, they that's want... and their answer this week, besides this, the the saying, the verbal diplomatic route, which was, "Don't do that. You shouldn't be doing that. That's not your business. This is we control Southeast Asia." Besides the talk, the stick has already been announced. They're going to send something like they're basically going to revamp the militaries to the tune of billions of dollars. So they say of Thailand, Vietnam. For the Americans. Yeah, and other yeah, South Asian countries. Bribery. FIFA. There's bribery going on. <laughs> uh, and the other development this week, that West is uh, out of its own, has decided to take Japan under its wing, under its arm, for to protect its cybersecurity interests. Uh, because Japanese military installations may be under threat from some unknown enemy. They didn't name ISIS, but everyone knows they're referring to China, of course. 
China and or Russia. So basically, the the Jap- Japanese are in serious trouble because they're all basically colonial outlet for the US. They've got bases mm-hmm. there nobody wants, but they can't get rid of them. And it's they're just with each passing week getting more entrenched into Big Brother America because of course it's the perfect location for in the way that Spain is a perfect location for a base for AFRICOM missions to monitor Africa. Mm-hmm. Japan is vis a vis Russia and China. So it's to stop your Eurasian into uh, your Eurasian integration effectively, and the, it's, like it's, we said, the US it's is to it's, it's to make sure Japan. It's it's what what it effectively does is um, booby traps Japan. Uh-huh. I mean, when they take over uh, cyber operations, at, as ostensibly for security reasons, what they're really doing is they're going to be taking over the ability to actually create attacks within Japan, and then it'll just any kind of response. Oh, blame Korea, blame China. And, yeah, it's anything that will interfere with Eurasian integration. They're doing it. They're doing it. And at the same time, they're trying desperately to rush through this, um, the transatlantic and transpacific mm-hmm. trade deals, uh, which they hope will cement as many countries as possible. Yeah, tie them down. Into Lock this. them down into a US-only uh, relationship. That's the, that's that T-tip. That's basically what it's about: is to give corporations uh, control. Because, like we said at the beginning of the show, the US government is a corporation, effectively, and it uh, it operates in league with multinational, international US corporations, and they they exploit and dominate and control and plunder the world through corporations, effectively, through business. John Mc- is a business. John McCain's been a busy boy this week because uh, on their story, uh, as chairman of the Senate Allied, what do they call it? Senate Armed uh, Services Committee. Uh, he is tabling a motion to deliver training and weapons also to allied countries like Indonesia, Malaysia, the Philippines, Thailand, Vietnam. Vietnam is having a flashback. I mean, it's, it's not just flashback, though. It's 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 the permanent state of affairs, the way it's always been. It's mm. not like, oh, Cold War's coming back. No, we're, we're getting glimpses of the underlying reality that has always been there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're trying to lock down every Eurasian country. I mean, they, 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 look, they, they look at a map of the world. They look at Russia, they look at China. They look at all the countries south of the borders of those two countries, and they say, okay, we need to... <clears throat> we need to co-opt as many of these countries as we can in whatever way we can. Uh, bribery, blackmail, whatever works, we need to, uh, you know, co-opt these countries. We need them to be in our sphere of influence, even though we're in Washington, you know, like 8,000 miles away. Countries need to be ours, effectively. We need to have an in with all of these countries. So it's this battle going on. But like we said, like we keep saying, this flies in the face of objective reality and the facts and, uh, you know, the facts on the ground, basically, which is it makes far more sense for the countries on the Eurasian landmass to cooperate with each other in every way and not with America, which is this outlying island, effectively, from Eurasia. Um, but, of course, facts, as we know, uh, are a problem for 
psychopaths or psychopathic individuals. Um, uh, there has been actual documented, you know, research and um, done on on psychopaths in terms of um, in the literature that shows that uh, <clears throat> there's a good reason to believe that they don't really see objective reality like you or I see it. They don't accept it for what it is. For them, reality is something that should conform to my wishes, my desires. What I want to be true should be true. And this is taken to a pathological degree in the sense that uh, there was one psychopath who was interviewed, I think, by Robert Hare, and he said that uh, uh, that he didn't really understand what a fact was, that it, but was this kind of, it's kind of whatever, basically whatever you want it to be. A fact wasn't something that was uh, out there, objective, had its own existence, and could not simply be changed because you want it to be changed. Yeah. Um, well, in this respect, they believe it is. In this respect, the fact isn't that's American the pro- foreign policy. It, the fact isn't the problem for them. Then it's as fluid as anything else. Well, yeah, but the problem is that the problem is that those other people, those normals, adhere to them, adhere to facts. But also, the facts tend to stand their ground a little bit after a while. You know, particularly if you have people behind. Uh, uh, people who, who support an objective reality and have the power to support the objective reality like Russia and China saying, you know, we're pretty pretty powerful. We have a lot of, uh, a large population. We have a lot of resources and stuff and we're not willing to bend over for uh, or roll over for, for America anymore. Uh, and that's a fact. You can look at the statistics. That's a fact. That's how many people we have. These are the resources we have. That's a fact. That's a problem. Uh, if America, If the American cycles could change that, and they would certainly go ahead and try and change those facts. They could destroy Russia, destroy China, and say, well, don't have so many people now, eh? And all your resources are ours. So they're not yours. We've changed the facts, you see? We can change them. But if you're someone who says, no, you're not going to change those facts. Those facts are facts on the ground, and we're willing to stand by those facts and put them in your face as often as possible, then the psychopath has a problem. Uh, they're not going to change because they can't not believe that they can change reality and facts as they, as they see fit. So they're going to continue to bang their heads against that wall until they do themselves and potentially everybody else a lot of damage. And that's the, that's the, that's the problem that we face globally, is that these are the kind of people who are in positions of power and are pushing the world in this direction. And it's on a, it's on a crash course with, uh, you know, the bottom of the cliff, basically, if they're yeah. allowed to continue to follow this insane psychopathic uh, ideology and agenda. Yeah. Because they will ultimately go the route of, well, if I can't have it, no one else can. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, in the meantime, they are, they, there are still um, avenues open to them. I'm thinking particularly here of our next story. Um, the fugitive successfully has been nominated as governor of Ukraine's Odessa region. This was the guy who the U.S. shunted into power in Georgia, formerly part of the USSR, during one of the regime change operations back in 2003. Uh, oh, Georgians loved this. They were totally behind it. It was they had a majority support, and off Georgia went on this down the the yellow path. Well, within two years, the country stank. <laughs> the guy was just it's like a cycle. If cycles touch anything, it just turns to to uh, crap. To crap, and uh, that inevitably happened in Georgia very quickly. And he was basically he's a fugitive. He's wanted Georgia, the new Georgian government, which is still and basically accepted the regime change and the new state of affairs, and is kind of uh, on the fence as to where it stands, West NATO versus Russia. Um, nevertheless, they know damn well what successfully is, and uh, they've asked Interpol to arrest this man. He is a wanted fugitive, and he's just been shunted into 
Ukraine, Ukraine said, as wanted governor to of Odessa, site of the massacre last year. And, yeah. uh, well, that's Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine says, wanted fugitive, we've got a job for him in politics. We want him in our government if he's wanted fugitive. Yeah, as, that's the kind of country that the U.S. has made of Ukraine after its phony Maidan revolution last year. <clears throat> that's the country, and they shunted in a bunch of nut jobs, Poroshenko and all his psycho henchmen and Nazi, neo-Nazi collaborators uh, and supporters. That's what the U.S. produced in Ukraine, and and like I mean, the evidence is there, and we've written about it and talked about. It. Make no mistake, Ukraine last year was a U.S.-sponsored. Uh, color revolution, phony revolution that was totally directed. They used the general uh, <clears throat> uh, frustration and unhappiness of the, of the population. They directed it and then they discarded the people and put in place uh, the people they wanted to put in place and the people they put in place are pretty much ideologically the same as them, i.e. psychopaths. And this is, and so it's no surprise as Ascavilli gets gets a job in Odessa. Like, I mean, this guy—if you ever watch him—he he gave a speech in, uh, at the UN one uh, time. This <laughs> spittle-flecked rant about Russia, and this is like three or four years ago yeah. when he was, because because Russia had basically um, Russia had been, you know, resisting the the kind of NATO and Western uh, infiltration of, of Georgia, and had been kind of stalling it. And uh, he was extremely angry about that, about Russian influence in his country. And he gave this ridiculous uh, speech at the UN. And he, he did, when he talks, it is spittle flecked. You know, he, he has a kind of Yeah, I think or he, something. you can see him spitting. <laughs> he's spitting he all over so the fast. He's spitting at the so UN. Fast. And this is a guy now who's just dis- discredited everywhere but in the West. Yeah, uh, between then and now, he's been in academia in Washington. Yeah, yeah. Someone well, gave him a post there. Okay, and now there's this chance to back into power comes back up and he goes well the only place that's open for like the only avenue is, is a gangster state well, well send us you know the America and, uh, and the West send us your poor spittle flecked psycho ranting nut jobs and we will give them homes you know we'll find a place for them they're, they're the people we like you know I mean there's a story in this week as well about them um, about how 20 million dollars was given to Nazis after the second world war Nazis that were Repatriated yeah. or were brought over to America. Um, Twenty million dollars in, so, I think, social security benefits and payments, etc., were given to, um, well, Nazis, Gestapo types, you know, mass murdering, um, those kind of people. <laughs> the American government give twenty million of your tax dollars to Nazis. So why would you question or even doubt the idea that the U.S. government today would be giving your tax dollars? to a bunch of jihadis uh, to further their, their goals, their geopolitical goals. The same jihadis who attacked you on 9-11. This government doesn't, it's an equal opportunity employer. In fact, it's not equal, it's very imbalanced towards the psychos and the nut jobs, the, the dictators, the genocidal maniacs, head choppers. The heart eaters. The heart eaters. That's the people it gives your money to. Uh, yeah, w- one of them spoke up uh, this week, and this is bizarre. I, <laughs> we're we're called conspiracy theorists for saying what this guy I'm about to describe is saying, and CNN gave him airtime. Let's let's have a look at it. ISIS fighter was trained by State Department. An ISIS fighter who calls for jihad in a new online video was trained in counterterrorism tactics on U.S. soil in a program run by the U.S. government. 
The video features a former police commander from Tajikistan named Colonel Kalimov. He appears in black ISIS garb with a sniper rifle and a bandolier of ammunition. He says in the video that he participated in programs on U.S. soil three times between 2003 and 2014, at least one of which was in Louisiana. The State Department has confirmed this claim. Now you're thinking, uh, did they just admit to being involved in a conspiracy? No, well, because they're spinning this to their advantage because they have the guy ranting the video. America, yes, you trained me, you trained me well, but now I will come and kill you all. <laughs> That's the use they get out of it, but they completely ignore the obvious verification, the evidence that, yes, ISIS was created by the U.S. government. I mean, the guys on there, the U.S. State Department said, yes, we paid for three of his trips to get training in a some hole in Louisiana, and uh, now he's promised to kill all Maybe Americans. he wasn't given military training in Louisiana. Maybe he was giving media training in Louisiana. How to make scary videos to terrify the American population. Very, very likely. He certainly got training to make the video. No, but I think in, in his, I read some of his backstory. He was a top police commander in Tajikistan. Uh, here you've got, this is an interesting part of it, the, He's being attached to ISIS, Syria, and you're going, okay, Middle East. But no, this is, they see the Muslim world extends all the way into Central Asia and Western China. You see how useful ISIS can be as a cover for any and all former Soviet republics and Chinese. And Russia. And, 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 and that's right, in Russia. Uh, and here's another one um, this week. Um, some guy who was with the KLA fighting with the Kosovar Liberation Army set up by NATO in the 1990s. Uh, set up by specifically by MI6, um, pops up in another video, ISIS. You see the guy, he's a white guy, he's a European, basically. Uh, Is he ginger? No. Okay. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, it previously thought to have been killed, but now he's actually alive in Syria, blah, blah, blah. So my point is... Uh, this is so vast. I mean, you do you do kind of sympathize with people when they say, "Well, you're talking about you're talking about such a big conspiracy, thousands of different people." Well, the point is that it's not really it, from one thing to the next. It's it's not that they foresee all possible consequences. They have some idea that if they radicalize Muslims in general, they're going to get a certain number of them from all parts of the world, from Europe all the way through Central Asia, uh, and indeed into the Philippines. Um, and you will always attract a certain number of the mental ones among them who will do your bidding. Yeah. Ul- ultimately, they they are of well, they had long, so many different uses to you. Well, they had practice. Uh, they had the first practice of it. Maybe not the first practice of it, but certainly they, they were uh, schooled in it in Afghanistan in the late 70s and early 80s. The first batch. Uh, yeah. For Muslims. And they understood how to recruit uh, fundamentalist, right-wing, Muslim, uh, you know, the Muslim version of uh, Pat Robertson or something, you know. Uh, with, well, they're basically with, with Muslim gun. Contras. Right. They're counter-revolutionaries. Yeah, but they're doing it for money and they're doing it for their own screwed-up ideology, <clears throat> which is always right-wing. I mean, that's who the U.S. and the Brits have always found common cause with right-wing elements in every society, the most uh, repressive and regressive elements in any society, any country that they want to control, they're the ones they supported against the reformers and the liberals and the socialists 
uh, you know, the, the people who are lobbying for equal rights for everybody, they're the ones they hated and tried to stamp out by aligning themselves with the right-wing fascistic, you know, uh, hardline elements. That's that's who the U.S. And the, and the Brits have supported, and the French as well have supported uh, for eons. Yeah, uh, whether they're aware of their goal. Sooner or later, those normal-thinking people you described always end up in the normal course of affairs, integrating with other communities, other groups, and by a simple, peaceful means, they Mm -hmm. end up having Eurasian integration. Mm -hmm. It's the constant battle to suppress the natural flow of things. Yeah, the facts. The facts. The hard reality. Yeah. These are reality creators, remember, that we're talking about, as as, as spoken or said by... um, Possibly Carl Rowe. Probably Carl Rowe back in 2004, 2005, when he spoke to... Uh, Ron Suskind. Ron Suskind, yeah. Uh, he said, basically, we create reality and you just have to live with it, you know. Uh, we can do what we want. Um, and you, all of you, will just be left to study what study we do. It, and by the time you study it, we'll already be... By the time you're, else. you know, doing what we're doing right now, analyzing the situation, we'll have moved on. An we're example created. of that is Al-Qaeda and ISIS, where people have been studying... Al-Qaeda and trying to find out what where Al-Qaeda was and what it was doing, they moved on, created ISIS and went on to the next stage of the plan um, which was you know, to, t- to, to unleash this uh, proxy militia uh, in Iraq and Syria uh, because they want to target the Assad regime, because they want to destabilize that whole what's rem- what remains of that uh, kind of more moderate Muslim uh, power structure in the Middle East uh, as embodied by uh, Iran and Syria and even at the time Iraq because Iraq <laughs> compared to what's going on today uh, Saddam Hussein's Iraq was extremely moderate you know so they get rid of Iraq get rid of Syria get rid of uh, uh, Gaddafi in, in Libya and uh, and and they're, and they're targeting Iran Iran's a bigger question though but they're trying to whittle down Iran but also behind all those countries look to the north and you find Russia you know so it does always come back to Russia, and it's been about Russia for, for a long time. But speaking of ISIS, um, ISIS, like Al-Qaeda before them, has a glossy magazine. I'm not a subscriber, but I hear that it's on the internet. I'm not sure if it's in print, but maybe it's in print somewhere, but it's, apparently it's on the internet. It's called Dakib, I think. And it's a glossy magazine uh, where ISIS head choppers can uh, express themselves uh, on the current situation and keep themselves up to date with the latest the latest swords and the latest gossip and pop culture and in that magazine one isis member apparently some big wig was complaining about conspiracy theories specifically the conspiracy theories that isis or isa or whatever you want to call it is controlled by western intelligence agencies we're complaining about the the preponderance of these kind of ideas and the spread of them uh, saying that ISIS is controlled by Western intelligence because the problem for ISIS is that he says this is causing ISIS members to drop away and to leave the group because they're convinced by these arguments of Western intelligence control of ISIS and other uh, Muslim organizations and they therefore don't want to be a part of well, a phony organization. That's no good. If you're trying to create a caliphate from Madrid to Manila, that's no good. You can't have that. Exactly. So the pro- it is a problem for ISIS. But yeah. The thing is, I 
think I'm going to send a letter to Dakib to John McCain. Oh, and maybe John Kerry if he's if he's sitting up and taking nourishment after his broken leg, and and even to Obama and to the CIA. And to, I'm going to say, listen, have you read this? Have you read this? Well, the CIA probably are listening anyway, so I don't have to send a letter to them. Uh, but I'll say, have you read this magazine? Have you read? Have you have you understood? Do you understand the golden opportunity right here? We're engaged. Me and the CIA and the MI6, the British government, the American government, all of us are engaged in this existential war against this fundamental evil that is ISIS. And they uh-huh. have just they have just exposed the soft underbelly. The so- well, yeah, the, the Achilles heel. Oh, ISIS members are leaving. Because they're believing conspiracy theories that Western intel groups are controlling ISIS. Now, the US government, the British government, etc., have and the CIA have been been slow on the uptake here, but I and you and we at Net here have been on this for a long time. We've been promoting ex- precisely this kind of conspiracy theory for a long time. And finally it's starting to, to gain some traction and, and, and have, a, have the effect that we have always desired which is to get rid of these kind of extremist groups, right? So if the CIA and MI6 and said would just get on board with us, maybe send some cash our way, you know, we would even... We accept checks. We would even take a consultancy role maybe with them in how best to project these conspiracy theories as the veritable Tomahawk cruise missile, literary Tomahawk cruise missile that they are to deal a death blow to this organization and the world would just, I mean, it would just blossom off. Anderson Cooper, Joe, is available for interview on CNN. I can I can explain everything, all the details of the conspiracy theory, how to best uh, project it to catapult the propaganda at ISIS members, the Muslim world in general. And, uh, and, and we could, we and could win smoke this. them out of their ideological homes. Smoke them out of their ideological homes, re- re- kind of rehabilitate them. They can be recovering ISIS members. They see now the truth of the situation, you know, and um, and and we we can we can put this baby to bed, uh, you know, before before the World Cup in Russia in 2018. Yeah, and we can all go to it and be happy. We can all shake hands, have a drink with Putin, me, Putin, you, the CIA, MI6, Hillary Clinton if she's present, then if not Jeb Bush, we can all just talk about you know what a good good job we did and. Good job, Brownie. Done deal. Yeah. So that's my, that's just, you know, it may sound a bit crazy, but, you know, that's just what I think uh, is the way to go. Because they seem to be faltering in this whole ISIS, uh, the war against ISIS. It's not really working. You know, they're not really achieving much on that score. So we need to think outside the box in this, you know. <laughs> and we need to try and, you know, if we just get together, we can get the deeds to stick. Maybe bring in, bring in Victoria Newland. And we'll get the, maybe somebody for an attaboy, you know, an attaboy in this one with the media. Well, if they can get the media behind. Hey, Brownie, you're doing a heck of a job. <laughs> and Bar- Bernie, I don't know if he's still around, but Bernie did a heck of a job and, and well, Katrina. They, but, can, they can get Bernie out for this. I mean, yeah, but the media is the key to this, obviously. I mean, let's not be coy here. You know, Obama, you know, CIA, MI6. We know what the score is there. You know, you call the shots as far as the media is concerned. So if we can get the media on this and just start promoting these conspiracy theories, let's do it. ISIS is done for. They're done. I mean, probably in a week. (laughs) Bring them down in a week. 
Obama could get re-elected. It would be such a coup, he could go for a third term. <laughs> to change the constitution. So we'll talk to Obama about it, yeah. Yeah. He'd be up for a third term. He's young, like. Yeah. Even Brzezinski's having second doubts about this whole Syria business. He's like, I don't think we're, um, I think we made a mistake trying to get Assad out because I was looking at the facts. <laughs> well, he didn't say it like that, but I think he was kind of acknowledging. The problem you see in Syria is that Assad is still popular. That's right. Always has been. Five years of that. And they won't, still won't, well, people know what the situation is, right? I mean, they've got a choice, Assad or uh, head choppers, CIA-funded head choppers. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's no brainer for the Syrian people, and they've known from the very beginning, because as we talked about and wrote about back in 2011 when it all began, there was no genuine uprising or color revolution or Arab Spring. There was a color revolution, maybe, but there was no Arab Spring, no genuine uprising against Assad of any significance. In fact, on the days that there were protests in the street against Assad, there was five times the amount of people in the street the next day pro-Assad. But of course, that was ignored by the Western media, and they just pushed in their jihadis and started shooting people, shooting up buildings, shooting the cops, and just just sowed uh, chaos in the country. And they, that's how they started going. And it's, I mean, of all the color revolutions, I mean, they really, I mean, Syria is just the most egregious, like in terms of what they've done to that country, you know quarter of a million people dead I mean uh, Syria yeah and Yemen's probably a close second because Yemen's now getting the full airstrike thing that they couldn't quite bring around yeah, people we, enough to get done in, in Syria Yemen's uh, early days but Syria's like 40 years ongoing like I mean they, there was no decapitation there you know what I mean and I mean I think we've talked also about how Russia has supported uh, Syria in one way or another, and Iran is supporting Syria, and you know you could turn around and say, well, they're to blame for the protracted nature of the the Syrian conflict because they are supporting it, and it, that prolongs the war. You know, if it, if the US had its way, uh, it, it would have been, been done done and dusted within the same time frame as Libya, for example, you know, nine or ten months. Yeah, but it's horrible. But at the same time, you don't you can understand how someone wouldn't want to just roll over in the face of that if they had another option. To stand their ground, they would. Yeah. Um, speaking of, I mean, the 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 war on ISIS, as far as Syria and Iraq is concerned, depends week to week. You hear it's going one way or the other. I mean, I think the last time we spoke about it, uh, it looked like they were dead in the water in Iraq, and suddenly this week. Oh no, they've taken Anbar province, which is like the major province next to Baghdad, and on the verge of taking over control of the entire country. Um, I don't know. You don't know what to believe. I think it's, um, yeah, most we can say is that it's clear evidence that of external, uh, external, external manipulation. There's a brake and there's an accelerator. You push the brake, you push the accelerator. Uh, Remember, ISIS is a managed conflict. ISIS are fighting against this relatively small group of not job jihadis with no real mandate, no real support, are somehow holding their own, and in fact winning against the military of Iraq, Syria, uh, indirectly Iran, and the Lebanese uh, Hezbollah. And All, US air support, supposedly. Well, no, but officially. Those are the four countries that are. Uh, 
that, that they're attacking effectively that, that are engaged in the fight against ISIS while they supposedly US Air Force, yeah. So uh, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> the, the, the very idea of it is, is nonsensical, you know. If unless you incorporate uh, the idea of they're getting massive support uh, to be able to do this from a major world player. Guess who? America. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, there's been a lot of stuff in the news, a lot of murmurings and whispers growing louder of late in the past few weeks about the economy. The what? It's the economy. The economy? The global economy. It's not good. It's sick. Um, Goldman Sachs warned just a couple of days ago. Uh, too much debt threatens the world economy. Uh, they're talking soon now about the US, the Fed, raising interest rates. And this possibly or potentially going to be a major problem for the world economy. Uh, the, US, the US Fed has been reluctant all along to raise interest rates. But when, when it does, I mean, it's all couched in economic speak and it's very hard to penetrate the economic system. Uh, because it's so full of smoke and mirrors and bullshit and convoluted language. But all of it, to me anyway, just reading the the bits and pieces that come out, it looks like there's something something in preparation or they're preparing, they're talking up the idea of, uh, you know, these are kind of people in the know talking up the idea of a major crunch coming. Uh-huh. I mean, they've been talking about this for uh, quite a long time as well, but um, there seems to be more chatter of late uh, about this. Yeah, supposedly stocks are doing following similar patterns, not seen since just before the 2008 crash. Right, but this time it'll be much worse. So I think it's going to be a long, hot summer in more ways than one. Um, or it might be a very short summer <laughs> where we all fall off the end of the economic cliff. But that's certainly something that's on the cards and something that uh, we encourage uh, people to keep an eye on and um, because that would be the more than anything else. Uh, I mean, there's, you know, wars and rumors of wars, etc. But wars that don't, the wars that are, are possible today don't have the potential to cause any major um, catastrophe for the globe, the global population, like an economic, a possible major economic collapse in terms of the collapse of the American economy, or quote-unquote, or the collapse of the dollar, <clears throat> whether real or or manufactured, probably manufactured. Uh, this is something that has the potential to really affect everybody who's listening to this show. Um, people who live in the affluent West and stuff and are used to having all services and everything at their fingertips type of thing, uh, the kind of economic collapse that is being predicted and may happen this year has the very clear potential to directly affect everybody who listen to this show, uh, their lives in, ver- in a very direct way. And it's something that more than anything else, apart from just keeping a regular eye on everything else that's going on the planet, this is one thing that you need to be prepared for because it may involve you, it may involve a requirement on your part to to take some action 
as opposed to just simply uh, absorbing uh, information about in other areas. So that's just a, a little heads up to, to keep a watch out for that. And in the event that something like that happens, you know, take the appropriate uh, measures, you know, if, um, if things go south very quickly socially, um, if, you know, your little supermarket no longer has food in it and that kind of thing, you don't want to get to the point where you're queuing up anywhere <clears throat> for food or gas or anything like that. So you need to prepare for that uh, and you can prepare for it for the immediate future or even for the longer term, you know, because, um, you know, food stuff, the right kind of food stuffs and the right kind of supplies of uh, uh, fuel don't, uh, will, will keep for a long time. Um, so even if nothing happens, you're not losing anything. But uh, there's a lot of, like I said, chatter uh, that makes us reasonably confident in saying that something big could happen this year in that respect. We shall see. Meanwhile, some some reflection of this chaotic state in the environment. Um, before we get there, though, we've been talking about meteor fireballs for years and ooing and eyeing at the sheer number of incidents. I just point out that in the recent months, particularly, let's say since the beginning of the year, there's been very little video footage or photographs, even reports relative to previous levels that have passed us. Mm -hmm. um, we're, in a, we're in an unusual dearth. Mm -hmm. uh, for regular listeners, they're probably more worried. For anyone who's like listening for the first time, it's like, what is he talking about? Um, so to give you an idea, there's been a nearly exponential growth in the number of reports of fireballs in the last five years, let's say. Yeah. It seems to get, it seems to grow increasingly um, every year. But uh, this year it's been like, hello, what happened? Mm. So that's that's gone quiet. But meanwhile, you probably noticed the volcanoes going off like crazy. Another spectacular eruption in this time off Ecuador. In the Galapagos. Yeah, the wolf yes. volcano. <clears throat> the wolf. The wolf. Wolf of Wall Street. I wonder what symbolism lies there. Um, it's going to blow your house down. The big bad wolf. Texas has gone from record drought to record flooding in the space of a month. That's another thing that could affect the, the economy. It's, it's going on in the background. But Texas, in particular, crop yield for a lot of farmers is like destroyed, basically, because prior to this record flooding that flooded parts of Houston, I think, and uh, obviously flooded uh, the land all around, <clears throat> in many parts of Texas, it, um, prior to that, they were uh, suffering one of the worst droughts in, in recent years. So uh, crops weren't doing very well because they were having to water them continually, etc. They weren't they weren't getting a very good yield uh, or they weren't predicting a very good yield this year. And then they saw the rain coming. They thought, okay, some rain, good, you know. Uh, but then it didn't stop raining and it flooded the fields. The, the, the crops are now rotting because uh, because they're waterlogged, basically. And, you know, you put too much water on a, on a plant and it'll, it'll, a lot of them will just die, you know. So um puts it off into the future in the sense that, um, you know, the food we're eating this year comes from last year. So this kind of thing has an effect uh, down the line, maybe nine months down the line type of thing when uh, the 
the crops that should have been harvested are not harvested at the end of the summer. They're not available for this fall, this winter, and in uh, the next year, you know. So um, that, yeah, it could be a perfect storm type thing of, uh, if you have a, an economic crisis, you know, and then manufactured or not, and then but then genuinely there's actually yeah a, a, a reduction in the available food in a genuine way. But all these things we're talking about here, um, economic, a global economic catastrophe compounded by natural consequences mm-hmm. or reflections of it in, in the natural environment. Um, I, is it more like a change in the conditions over time because people are used to that, things change? Or are we talking about something so sudden that you, you're caught off guard? I mean, for example, you mean for an economic collapse? Let's take that in isolation. Like 2008, sure, everyone was hit, but it's the, the, the results were still staggered. People lost mm. their jobs gradually, homes yeah. gradually. But I think uh, I think it would be a gradual process as well, but gradual over a period of uh, you know months rather few months to, to, to six months to maximum a year type thing where one thing would happen, it would precipitate another kind of domino effect where there would be a few weeks between each one, but then it would just get worse and worse. There would be no signs of recovery in the, in the initial crisis as it as it would be announced. <clears throat> it's expected by most people that, oh, it's just not a crisis, it'll get better. But then the next step is, oh, it didn't get better. That that, that measure we put in place hasn't worked. Uh, it's, it's, it's still going downhill. And then more and more of that basically to the point where <clears throat> it gets, it, it has a direct impact, you know, um, so I think there will be time for people, but they'll see the first sign will be that, you know, that the measures that are put in place are not working. And once you see one or one or two uh, rounds of that, then you can be fairly sure that this may be the big one in the sense that they're not going to save it. There's a plan somewhere behind the scenes, behind the headline uh, to... Um, to let this one go and let this one be the big one. Let it um, play out. And as we've, as we've discussed before, uh, part of the rationale or the strategy behind that might be to, uh, as a way to a final last desperate effort to bring the whole system down essentially as a means to uh, retain U.S., the Anglo-American he- hegemony. But if there's no more U.S. economy, that's well, but that's the, But that's the nuclear option is to right. drag the whole thing down uh, and they may have some awareness of uh, earth change type events as well, and simply say, let's just reset the clock on this and start again. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's like the analogy <clears throat> we used before uh, was a chess game, you know, where you see checkmate coming up, so you just tip over the table and say, well, you didn't win, we have to start again. So we'll start again. Yeah, this is important. This is also where we, we encourage people to hold their horses when it comes to um, getting excited about either what Putin's doing or what China's doing or what they're doing in tandem. Because uh, the, the force, I'm sure they have a very good idea of what they're up against, but they, they may not either know it completely or... They may not understand what quite what they're prepared to do. Um, well, they don't understand is the effects of what they're doing the, as well. The, the combined effect of these people, 
the industrious, the uniquely industrious nature, destructive nature. Mm, creative destruction. Creative destruction, like that phrase we came across today. Yeah. Um, they will always reset. The, 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 whichever way life develops on this planet, whether we're at, it seems now, is a more or less permanent condition. We're just getting to see it in a more um, apparent form in this unique time, if you like. But it's a permanent condition where there can never be that Valhalla or even just a basic, basically sane world because it always comes back to this. You, you, can't, you can't root the problem out. So, no. yes, there's a natural tendency towards integration and peaceable coexistence, mutual win-win situations. But as long as there is, no matter how small, um, something that embodies the destructive principle, the destructive principle will always cancel it out to zero. Mm-hmm. Is that about right? Yeah, and the, and we're going to zero. And also, the as we've discussed, uh, as, uh, as is discussed in uh, Pierre's book, uh, Earth Changes in the Human Cosmic Connection, this destructive principle that uh, that is manifested through psychopaths and their minions <clears throat> and plays out on the planet and is given, you know, a reality on the planet and the effects it has on people and creating suffering, etc. That there is a, a a response effectively from the environment that is more chaos is is sown on the planet and more suffering than and that has a reflection in chaos on on a planetary level and a geological level, let's say on a uh, in terms of earthquakes, uh, tornadoes, all that kind of stuff. So, as these people push it to their end point, where they where they deliver or launch their nuclear option, uh, the planet may respond in kind type of thing. So, in that sense, you would have a perfect storm. It would all go pear shaped all together, all at once. Over, you know, not in one day, but over a period of time, you would have a, a significant worsening of the conditions all around, political, social, and environmental. Mm-hmm. It would all go downhill at once. It's just in a holding pattern type now, or it. You know the, the the dam is still partly holding up, but at a certain point it'll just let go, and then all hell breaks loose, mm, literally and figuratively. So uh, and yeah, that's, that's when we that's when we crack open the champagne and sing karaoke. Yeah, that's when you sing your favorite Armageddon song, <laughs> like Ted Turner's uh, emergency broadcast for CNN. Yeah. Did you hear about that? No. The footage was on Earth, like it's been put on YouTube. So Ted Turner had an end of the world apocalypse scenario. If whatever was coming, nuclear Armageddon because of evil Russia or whatever in the 1980s, um, their apocalypse scenario was to uh, just play as a last outro from CNN, uh, a, a brass band playing, I think it was Battle Hymn of the Republic or yeah. something like that. And that would be all for most folks. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and that was a beep. CNN would just go offline. Very poetic. It won't be, you know, it won't be as yeah, dramatic as that. It won't be. They probably won't do something like that except to play, you know, something like Britney Spears or something, maybe, <laughs> or, or what do you call her, Miley Cyrus. Uh, what, what's her song? Uh, Wrecking Ball. <laughs> hey, it's appropriate. So, yeah, I can imagine it. And now we'll have a word from Miley Cyrus uh, on the eve of destruction. Um. Anyway, yeah. So I think uh, now that we've maybe we've depressed everybody again. 
We should just call it. I don't know. I think that today was uplifting. Yeah. <laughs> it was an upbeat. It was an upbeat uh, recounting of They the, just give us so much fun. McCain, Kerry. I know, yeah. <sighs> long may they continue to give us fun. Well, not that long, actually. Um, yeah, so hopefully I haven't depressed you too much. Uh, you probably know all this kind of stuff already, but um, it's useful to realize that it's not getting any better. It's getting worse. But there's a certain satisfaction in that. You know, it's consistency. You can feel secure in the fact that nothing's going to change. It's just going to get worse. <laughs> uh, it's not going to get all better. You know, that might shock too many people. What do you mean? Peace broke out? No way. People wouldn't believe it. Um, what so, are you, an idealist? Yeah. So, but we always try to uh, incorporate a bit of uh, <clears throat> levity on, on the show here. And we usually do that at the end of the show, as, as you know, um, via... Uh, pop culture roundup from our uh, pop culture expert <coughs> Relic who is still on the shores of Lake Canada but I think it should get out of there pretty soon move south Cancun maybe anyway take it away well hello everyone and welcome here to my little one-room log cabin on the wind-chilled shores of Upper Lake Canada, where all the tiny frozen flakes of what are affectionately known as God's dandruff fall relentlessly from the iron-gray sky. It's time once again for another carbuncular edition of Pop Culture Roundup. With your old host, Relic, here, where we'll surf the intertube and sift our way through the miasma of celebrity pop culture that emanates from the swamplands of Hollywood and beyond. All right, let's get down to business. In our first story... People magazine is reporting that beautiful Hollywood starlet Miss Mila Kunis is, well, she's being sued by an Eastern European pop singer named Christina Caro, who claims that the Jupiter ascending actress stole her pet chicken when they were friends growing up in Ukraine. Miss Caro is seeking damages up to $5,000 for the emotional trauma suffered by the loss of her beloved pet chicken named Doggy. Now, the fact that this lawsuit was initiated at the exact same time that the Ukrainian singer has a new music video coming out, well, that surely must be a coincidence and should be in no way interpreted as a pathetic attempt of a minor star to garner publicity. Besides, this is a cherished childhood pet we're talking about that not only gives love and companionship, but also lays eggs and makes a delicious stew or chicken pot pie. And although Miss Kunis denies stealing the bird... It's a little-known fact that her ballet dress in the movie Black Swan was made entirely out of chicken feathers. So there you have it, kids. The proof is in the poultry. 
Now, many people are under the mistaken impression that all this recent tension between the United States and the Ukraine is due to the ultra-evil American empire flexing its pathetic hegemonic muscles in Russia's direction. But in reality, the real reason for the whole conflict over there is, well, simply that President Obama is just standing up for those poor, underprivileged Hollywood elite. All I can say about that is, is we finally have an answer to the age-old question. Why did the chicken cross the road? Apparently, he was running away from a young Mila Kunis who was coming after him with her grubby little five-year-old fingers. Speaking of crazy celebrities and their equally crazy pets, USA Today is reporting that Disney Princess Gone Wild, Miss Miley Cyrus, has released a new video as part of her Happy Hippie Foundation Backyard Sessions, where she breaks down in tears while playing a gentle love song she wrote for her dead blowfish named Pablo. And Pablo, the blowfish, I miss you so much. And Pablo, the blowfish, I miss you so Some of the lyrics of this preposterous song include, Oh, Pablo, my blowfish, I miss you so bad. I went out for sushi and only ate rice, but watching my friends eat my friends ruined my appetite. Well, what lessons can we learn from this pink-haired, half-naked icon of modern-day twerkdom? Scientifically speaking, it seems that a celebrity's current popularity and media attention is inversely proportional to the subject's sanity and overall intelligence. In other news, Entertainment Tonight is reporting that hunky Hollywood actor Zac Efron was asked to fully disrobe for his scene on the set of his new movie called Dirty Grandpa. And because Mr. Efron is, is just a little shy about doing nudity in front of the cameras, he has employed a specially trained butt double to fill in for the young high school musical heartthrob during those most sensitive scenes. You know... I think the studio didn't have to hire an entirely different actor to be Zac Afron's butt double when they could have saved a bunch of money just by using his face. Our last story for the evening. We're sad to report that 
Mississippi blues legend B.B. King has passed away quietly in his home from ongoing complications due to diabetes. Mr. King will be fondly remembered as an inspirational idol for generations of musicians and fans as he sang heartfelt vocals and played scorching guitar licks on his old Gibson named Lucille. Earning the nickname of King of the Blues, Mr. Riley B. King won 15 Grammy Awards and served as a mentor to scores of famous guitarists like Eric Clapton, Jimi Hendrix, and Keith Richards. You know, in our present day of overproduced bubblegum pop music inanity, guitar legends like Mr. B.B. King stand head and shoulders above the crowd, reminding us all how real music is meant to be played. I say hats off to you, sir, and Here's wishing that you and your beloved Lucille enjoy a safe passage to the other side. And as long as we are still able to enjoy your record, sir, the thrill will never, ever be gone. The thrill is gone away for good. I said the thrill is gone. All right, thanks for that, uh, <coughs> Relic, for that. Um... Well, it looks oh, you're like gone. another show has come to a close for this week, kids. Until next time, it's a Relic here, stoking up the coals in my old wood stove, saying always remember, keep your feet on the ground and your eyes on the stars. All right, we'll try to do <laughs> Sorry for interrupting you there. Um... Yeah, so that was uh, that was relic with uh, pop culture and a very informative as always. I'm wondering, do guitars go to heaven? I I guess so. They do. If you name them, if you name them, they have to. And you live your whole life with you. Yeah, I guess they do. Mm-hmm. That's me told. Um, okay, folks. So thanks to our listeners and to our chatters. We hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, we'll be back next week with another one on all the goings on. Until then, see you then. Have a good one. Bye-bye.